Scripture for uh, today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 16 through 30. That's the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 16 through 30. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And, they began, and he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said to them, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to, a, to the brow of the hill, on which their town was built, so that they can throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. This is the word of the Lord. You know, when mothers give, when they, when they give birth to children, it is inevitable that they have expectations for those children. Parents, no matter how hard they try, can't help but think about what their children will become can't help think about what they will do, or perhaps who uh, they will marry. Now, some of the expectations that parents have for their children, they are reasonable expectations. In, in fact, there is a, there's a popular book uh, for women who are pregnant entitled, What to Expect When You Are Expecting. I'm assuming that's still popular. That's what it was popular when uh, the last time we had our children. <laughs> Uh, there are expectations around, <laughs> around how they will sleep or, or when they will start eating solid foods or when they might utter their first word or when they might, they might walk. All of these are common expectations that parents have of their children. But then there are some of the grander ones, like I, I mentioned, like what they will become or who they will marry. And often what happens is parents begin to project their wants and their desires onto their children and set expectations far too high, often leading to disappointment, 
frustrations. Because of all this, because of all this, setting expectations often get a bad rap. But expectations in and of themselves, we must know, are, are, are not bad. They're not all bad. We, we, ha- we all have hopes and dreams for, for those who we love. Uh, we have expectations of ourselves and for the institutions that we are a part of. It's not that we shouldn't have expectations. The question is, are those expectations realistic? Are they based in fact and possibility, or, or are they misinformed and irrational? Brothers and sisters, you do realize and you do know that Jesus was born with expectations. In fact, it was his birth that was expected. Jesus had long been promised before he was born in Bethlehem. He was expected to come. The prophet Micah tells us in 5.2, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. Here, a prophecy of Micah that, that, that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Then Isaiah, the prophet, in Isaiah 7, 14, says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Jesus was expected to be born. Not only was he expected to be born, there were expectations upon his life. Both Mary and Joseph were told that the son would that they would raise would be special. Joseph was, was, was told that Jesus would save his people from their sin. Mary was told that, that Jesus, the baby she was carrying, would be great. He would be called the Most High. Both, both Simeon and, and Anna, upon laying their eyes on Jesus, praised the Lord because they, they saw in, the, in Jesus the Savior of the world. Jesus was was born with expectations. His parents had expectations of him. We see Anna and and, and Simeon having expectations of him. The the Jews had expectations of the Messiah. The the promise was that that, that God was sending a redeemer, and, and God's people had long been expecting that the Messiah, the anointed one, would come upon the scene. The Jews not only expected that this Messiah would be born, but he, they, they expected that he would deliver them from their enemies, freeing them from oppression and giving them the power they wanted. Now, now this was a, this was a, a common expectation as the, as the people began to see and hear the works that Jesus was doing. They, they saw him as, as the one who would come to deliver them, but, but deliver them from the earthly oppression that they were under. Even Jesus' disciples expected this. You remember in Matthew chapter 20, the, the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to Jesus. and She asked if her sons 
could sit at Jesus' right hand and his left hand when he, when he came into his kingdom. She didn't have in mind a heavenly kingdom. She had in mind this earthly kingdom that Jesus would be ruler over and that she wanted her sons prominent influence, prominent positions in this kingdom. Now, people, the Jews were not totally off base with this expectation. It, it was an expectation that was, in, in a sense, biblically informed, yet, yet they misrepresented, they misinterpreted the scriptures. I mean, you can read Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, and you can see how they could come to the conclusion that Jesus, or that the Messiah was coming to set up some earthly kingdom. Listen to what Isaiah says. Verses, chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, and Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You, you can imagine them reading this and, and coming to the conclusion that, that this kingdom that was supposed to be established was to be an earthly kingdom. That Jesus was to be king over just like David, or that Messiah was to be king over just like David was king. Jesus was born with expectations. But unlike most of us, who never live up to our parents' expectations or the expectations others have of us, Jesus fulfilled all of his expectations. He fulfilled all the ones that were written in the scriptures. He didn't fulfill those, those ones that, were, that, that failed to be biblically informed. And our text this morning allows us to, to see the, the heavenly expectations, the biblically informed expectations that Jesus fulfilled, and the uninformed expectations of others that were not fulfilled. Luke tells us that Jesus is in his hometown. He goes home, perhaps for the holidays. <laughs> he went home to his town in Nazareth, and as it was his custom, he, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he's given a, a scroll, and he begins to read from the prophet Isaiah. And all, uh, all who were in attendance at that day, that Sabbath day, would have, have recognized the text, for it spoke of the one who was to come. He read from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. Isaiah, Isaiah had prophesied that, that the anointed one would come and, and perform wonderful acts of blessing. Good news would be proclaimed to the poor. Captives would be set free. The blind would see and the, the oppressed would be liberated. And, and what appears to be a dramatic scene as told from Luke's perspective. 
After reading this text, after, after opening up the scroll and reading it, Jesus closes the scroll and, he, and he, he, he goes down and he sits back down and he utters these words. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Ah, while, while this, with this declaration, what had been an ordinary day in the synagogue was about to be set ablaze with wonder and amazement and a flood of questions. You see, while, while we hear Jesus read uh, Isaiah 61, saying that the scriptures were filled today in, in, this, in their hearing, while that may get lost on us, while that may go over our heads, not the people who were in attendance at the synagogue that day. They knew exactly, they knew exactly what Jesus was saying and what he was and who he was proclaiming to be. The age, the age of deliverance and, and the proclamation of the good news and the, the miracles. Jesus was declaring that all of that had arrived here and now and he was the one ushering it in. He was the one doing it. He was the anointed one, the Messiah. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him. And everyone in the synagogue that day would have known that that's the claim that Jesus was making. He was fulfilling the expectations of Messiah. And here's the thing. It was true. <laughs> It, it had been happening. It had been happening. All these blessings that Isaiah had talked about were indeed taking place. They were seeing them with their eyes. They were hearing about all of these miracles and these works happening at the hand of Jesus. Jesus was the catalyst for, for it all. Captives were being set free and the blind were receiving sight and the oppressed were being set free. You, you, you remember... You remember when John the Baptist was in prison and he began to doubt. He was wondering, is this, is, this, is this really the Messiah? Is this the one? And so he sends his disciples to, to Jesus. John sends his disciples to Jesus to, to ask them, hey, is, are, are you the one or should we expect another one to come? And Jesus says to John's disciples, you, you go in Luke 7 and 22, go and tell John what you have seen and what you have heard. <laughs> the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. Jesus tells John to look at all that he has done. Line them up with the expectations of the Messiah, and you come to the conclusion, John. You need not look to another. Jesus is the long-expected Messiah. He was fulfilling all the expectations, the biblical expectations of him. Ah, oh, the people, you can imagine, and because this is mind-blowing, this is paradigm-shifting for those there in the synagogue that day, uh, they began to brim with excitement. They, they had never heard such wisdom. 
and the authority that Jesus was, was, was teaching with. I mean, they, they say he had these gracious words. They marveled at how he explained the scriptures. They began to marvel and wonder. Perhaps they began to, to celebrate or to, to, to get excited about, uh, about the thought of the oppression of, of, the, of the Romans coming to an end. The Messiah is here. He's coming into his kingdom. It's going to come to an end. But as quickly as they were amazed, as quickly as they were amazed at what Jesus was saying, they were soon perplexed, and they began to question. Aren't you Joseph's boy? Aren't you Joseph's son? They began to question, and they began to doubt. In fact, they determined in their hearts that they were going to test and put Jesus to the test. Luke 4 and 23 Jesus says to them, doubtless you will quote me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. Jesus, perceiving what was in their hearts, knows that they are going to challenge him to do in Nazareth what he had been doing elsewhere in Capernaum and in other places. He, they, they were going to say, prove yourself, Jesus. Show it to us. Do what you do there, here, so we can know that you indeed are who you say you are. We don't believe who you say you are. We grew up with you. We know your brothers and sisters. We saw you running around at the playground. We saw you tagging along with your dad. You can't be the Messiah. Why the sudden change? I mean, they were just once quickly amazed, and then all of a the sudden, they start doubting and they start questioning, could this really be the Messiah? Why the unbelief? You know what happened? They let their man-made expectations of the Messiah trump their biblically informed expectations of the Messiah. The Messiah couldn't come from Nazareth. He's just an ordinary man. He's the son of a carpenter. Brothers and sisters, here is an important question to reflect upon at this point in the sermon. What are your expectations of Jesus? Are they man-made or are they biblically informed? If they are man-made, then you are going to be just like the Jews. Jesus encountered in the synagogue. As he begins to reveal himself to you, you are going to start questioning the things that, that don't line up with your expectations. Oh, brothers and sisters, it is at this point you have to start asking yourself, are my expectations of Jesus man-made or are they biblically informed? If your expectations are that Jesus 
when you accept him, when you trust in him, is that Jesus is going to make you rich in this life. That is a man-made expectation. But if, but if you expect that no matter the, 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 the number that is in your bank account, if you have Jesus, he is all you need. That is a biblically informed expectation. If you expect that Jesus is going to give you everything you want, a good job, a good marriage, good kids, nice cars, and nice clothes, that is a man-made expectation. But if you believe that having Jesus means that no matter what's going on, that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes, that is a biblically informed expectation. Uh If you expect that Jesus is going to get on board with every issue you champion and every idea you have, that is a man-made expectation. But if you believe that in Jesus you are a new creation and he is the Lord of all, all your life and in him you surrender everything to, that is a biblically informed expectation. Oh, we can go on and on with this. You can have expectations of Jesus. That, those are good ones. I, I, would ex, I would hope that you would have expectations of Jesus when you come into this place, that, that you are going to hear from his word and that by his grace he is going to impart his wisdom and his truth to you. You would hear the gospel proclaimed. Oh, you, you can have expectations of Jesus. They just need to be biblically informed and not man-made. Brothers and sisters, don't let your your man-made expectations trump your biblically informed expectations of Jesus. Those in the synagogue that day allowed that to happen, and Jesus called it out. You see, because their expectations were man-made, their expectations were selfish. Brothers and sisters, all human beings apart from Jesus are sinful and glory hounds, and so man-made expectations almost always, I should say always, are man-centered. They are drenched in self-centeredness. You see, the Jews expected an earthly kingdom where they would reign, no Romans, no Greeks, just the Jews, God's people living under God's rule. To them, the Messiah was coming to make their life better, and that was it. Unfortunately, their expectations were not biblically informed. For if if they were, they would have realized several things. But two, two things in particular that we see in our text. First, they would have understood and known that the Messiah wasn't just coming for the Jews, he was coming for the Gentiles as well. And Jesus, using the Old Testament, strongly rebukes them for expecting anything different. 
He reminds them of two accounts. He, he takes them into the Old Testament and reminds them of two accounts, one in the life of Elijah and the other one in the life of Elisha. Jesus tells them about the widows in the days of Elijah and, and the leopards in the day of Elisha. And they were in Israel at the time. There were, there were great needs among these groups. Needs in Syria, needs in Sidon, in Sidon, needs in Israel. There were a ton of widows, a ton of leopards. Everyone needed help. The Jews needed help. The Gentiles needed help. And Jesus says that with all those that needed help, Elijah and Elisha went to those who were Gentiles. Went to those in Sidon, and he went to those in Syria. Foreigners to Israel. Jesus was pointing to the fact that God's plan from the very beginning included the Gentiles. He was railing against their ethnocentrism, that they, their, their ethnic superiority, that it was only about them. The goal wasn't just Nazareth or Capernaum, it was the world. The Jews' man-made expectations was, was narrow, the biblically informed expectation was wide. Isaiah 42 and 6, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. God had chosen the Hebrews. He did. He had chosen them to be his treasured possession. But he didn't choose them just so that they could hoard his love and his grace and his mercy, but in lavishing his love and his grace and his mercy upon them, that they would be a light to the nation. So that, that as God told Abraham, through him, all the nations would be blessed. Those in the synagogue who not too long ago were amazed, just, just, just minutes ago, <laughs> were amazed and, and wondered at the teaching of Jesus, quickly, quickly became enraged. They were filled with anger and animosity. This was not what they had expected. So, brothers and sisters, that is what happens when your expectations don't get met. You get angry, you get indignant. Instead of receiving Jesus, you reject him. You, you, you no longer see Jesus for who he truly is, and you seek to do away from him, with him. I mean, this happens all the time. People have expectations of Jesus, and, and when those expectations, because they're man-made, don't get met, they want to do with Jesus, and they leave the faith. They have expectations of Jesus, and they come to church, and those expectations don't get met, and so they leave and neglect the church. It happens all the time. And so this angry mob 
They rejected Jesus, and they sought to do away with him. They rejected the Messiah and tried to do away with him by, by driving them, by driving him, the, Luke tells us, from the temple to a cliff where, where they were prepared to throw him off, to throw him off the cliff, to do away with him, stone him and put him to death. Some of the other writers say. But Luke in verse 30 says, but passing through their midst, he went away. Now, we don't really know what Luke means here. <laughs> I mean, did, did Jesus somehow, like, miraculously escape? <laughs> that, that could be possible. That could be the case. He could have miraculously escaped from this angry mob, or, or in the commotion he was able to slip from the mob because there were so many people. We just don't know, but, but what we do know is that Jesus escaped. <laughs> he escaped. The Jews did not succeed in their attempt to put him to death like they wanted. Now here's the question. If the Jews had succeeded in their intentions to kill Jesus that day, wouldn't that be in keeping with the expectations for Jesus? Jesus was expected to die. Isaiah 53, 11 and 12 tells us that. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied by his knowledge, shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. The prophecy of Isaiah was that the Messiah was going to come and give his life. He was going to be put to death. Jesus was not expected to die any old way. You see, the expectation of the anointed one was indeed that he would come and that he would set the captives free the blind would indeed receive their sight, and the oppressed would have liberty. But the goal wasn't simply God's people having those blessings here on earth in this temporary world, but that God's people would enjoy those blessings in eternity. The expectation for the Messiah was that, yes, he would die at the hands of the Jews, but not by being thrown off a cliff but by dying on a cross. Amen. By this, by this way, this way he would become the curse for his people. Take, taking the punishment and dying the death you and I deserve, freeing us from the bondage of sin and death. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 3 and verse 14 and 15, as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Where would he be lifted up? He would be lifted up on a cross like that serpent in the wilderness so that those who would look to him for salvation, for, for the cure for their sin-sick soul would be saved. That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Yes, 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 Jesus was. He was expected to die. But the expectation was that he would lay it down of his own accord. 
He would go to the cross willingly. When his hour came, he, there would be no reservation. There would be no slipping out. There would be no escaping. He was going to the cross willingly. So I ask you again. What are your expectations of Jesus? What are they? If they are biblically informed, then here's the deal. They will be fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled all those biblically informed expectations of him. If you are expecting that turning in faith to Jesus, that he will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, you can expect that to be the case, and you will not be frustrated or disappointed. Brothers and sisters, if you are here, I, 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 I can say, please, please turn from your sins and trust in Jesus. He will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And if you are expecting that he will come again and put all that is wrong with this world, that he will put it right, that his people will live with him forever, that is a biblically informed expectation. And just like he fulfilled his expected birth, he will fulfill his expected return. Oh, Jesus is coming again. So trust in him this morning. What are, your ex what are you expecting from Jesus? Make sure your expectations are not man-made. May they never, may those man-made expectations never trump your biblically informed expectations of Jesus. Let's pray.